cheers to episode 70. Drinking some coffee. It is about afternoon, evening time on Monday, May 2nd. And if you're a longtime listener, you're asking yourself, where are Evan? Where are Alex? I didn't hear their voices. Cheers. And you'd be right. Things are a little bit different for this show. If you're a first-time listener, you have no idea what's going on. This seems normal to you. But with how our schedules worked this week, mainly mine, a lot of uh, some background for the show is that Alex has a normal during-the-day job and my work shifts can vary from a normal day shift to sometimes a night shift. And as of recently, been a lot of night shifts, so it just didn't work feasibly for the three of us to find a time uh, on Zoom to do the normal recording. So we're going to do something kind of different. I think it could be cool. I mean, this is episode 70 that we're doing. So you've heard 69 episodes of us where it's the same style. So just enjoy this new one. So what we're going to do without further ado is each of us are going to record our individual cells uh, on the topics we have for this week. And then I will take them and mash them all together. So this, you know, it's the same topics being discussed. It's not some one long monologue from each person at a time. So it'll hopefully flow more like a, a normal show that way, but it will be a little different. Whereas we're not kind of riffing off of each other, making fun of each other, bouncing off of each other. But since it was such a big week with the drafts, everyone loves the drafts. We wanted to make sure to get an episode out in normal circumstances. We probably would just skip the week, but the draft is so huge that we got to do it. And uh, to to go right into that with the draft, uh, we'd like to thank everyone who tuned in and participated with, with any chat in our draft live stream. Um, I mean, last year we started it just because just we were going to be watching it and thought, oh, what if we go live? Because we see people do that from time to time. It was m- more of a turnout than we thought last year. So we're like, okay, seeing that the people like this form of content. So let's try it again. And it grew, which was good to see. Um, you know, at one given time, I don't know, it could be 10 to 20 people at a time at points, but overall the views of it got well over a hundred people in total on the YouTube. And then surprisingly enough, we went live on TikTok, like right before the Lions picks and TikTok is an absolute beast and there'd be 300 people in there within a minute or so. So it was cool to experiment in those ways. And as long as people keep enjoying them, we can try to do more uh, of them as opposed to just the standard weekly shows that we do. Um, so that's out of the way, but the preview of the show then besides the thank you is we'll do our weekly check-ins as we always do. Cause we know people love those. Some arguably some people's favorite parts of the show. And then for the more sports minded people, we'll dive into the Lions draft. That was very exciting. A lot of moves. Um, and then we have some quick thoughts on the Red Wings whose season wrapped up. Won't be super in depth because at least Evan's the resident Red Wings guy. Alex and I are more of uh, casuals in the NHL, I would say, but they did fire their coach, Jeff Blaschel. So we'll react to that in their season. And then briefly on the, the Tigers, they're concerned through the month of April. So we'll touch on that. And then lastly, probably more me than the other two, uh, given my fandom of Michigan basketball, there's some interesting portal stuff, interesting rumors going on with them. Um, and I'll briefly touch on that. It'll be a little bit difficult because it's not really reacting to anything major that's happened but there's enough smoke enough rumors that it'd be good to touch on so without further ado cheers to episode 70 just drinking water uh different format 
this week. So we're doing it all by ourselves. Busy life, busy schedule. Fair enough. Weekly recap. Um, let's see. Last time we talked um, earlier in the week, um, had draft party. You guys graciously hosted. It was fantastic. Draft's always a great time. Um, I was rewatching most of it, actually. Um, funny stuff, you know, stuff you don't know about or don't remember. Um, the stuff you didn't pick up on. Alex owes some promises. Um, he said he would on the table if we traded up and got Jameson Williams. Um, so he owes us on stream. Go go watch it back. It happened. Um, that was Thursday. Friday, went out to the bars. Celebrated Colby's birthday. That was a good time. Um, hung, out with, hung out with Tysonian and The Solution and Milkman and uh, Bingham. Got hung out with like the basketball team. They were in there. We were actually trying to play it cool. Not really ask for pictures or anything, but that was a good time. Lou House was packed wall to wall, and I was kind of the loser. That was kind of just standing there drinking my $4 pitcher um, and just watching the draft. Like everyone else was kind of dancing around me. We're not, you know, we kind of got a table near a table, and <clears throat> I'm sitting there just watching the draft, glued into the draft. And round three was it? Round two and three were interesting because of all the quarterbacks and <clears throat> all the moves. So I enjoyed that. It was still a good time. Stayed out way too late. Um, woke up Saturday, got about four hours of sleep. Took my way to Flat Rock to be there by. Uh, I was there by eight thirty. I left here about seven. It was an hour and a half um, drive. And there's construction on 275, FYI, to everybody that's listening. Um, southbound. And uh, I got lost. Um, it, like, it detoured you to, like, if you were, if you want to go on an M15 or something, you had to stay right. If you're not, you had to go left, veered left. And I thought I had to exit. And I wasn't supposed to. Got backtracked, had to take a different highway get off get back on and then like the gps hadn't updated yet where um where like the traffic was or where the detour and the construction was and so my gps was just telling me to turn around it was like you turn you turn could proceed to route proceed to route no idea where i was going i audibly said to myself screaming in my car said i am lost i am lost um Luckily, I just stayed on there. I was on the right road. Um, eventually, went back to out of construction and um, was able to find it. I was there on time. Tournament went great. 2-0. Um, first game was a walk-off. Walk-off RBI. Um, I'm so, like, out of it, like, during the game. I'm worried about substitution and, you know, plate appearances and pitching like i don't even know like half the time where the inning we were in or what the score was we had like the winning run that third i thought it was the tying run and we had a base hit just a field force out at first they didn't they were supposed to have the infield in but they didn't i thought it was a tying run um though it turned out to be the winning run because the other team was like all right guys line it up i was like sweet um so yeah walk off win played decent uh second game one seven to one it was a quality game for us um, took a while to get the bats going, but overall, I mean, I was pleased. I'm happy. I'm super excited for the year. Um, different team, some new additions, and they're just a fun group. They're 12 years old now. They're kind of immature, 
and they kind of say jokes that I understand. And like when I say a joke, you know, they understand it now. So I don't really have to be that careful. It's just funny. They're a good group of kids. So I can't wait. Sunday got rained out. Um, didn't get to win a championship. Fields conditions were unplayable. Asterix, wink, wink. I have no idea, but, you know, save me gas money. Save me time, but I'm excited. Double hunter on Saturday. Um, and get to walk on Sunday. So, big steps uh, this week. You know, yeah, just had, did not go to golf league due to our, due to exams um, and financial situation, but um, looking forward to it all. That was kind of my week. I don't think there was anything else. Trying to think, trying to think, trying to think. No, I think that was about it. A lot of draft stuff this week is was really what the week was. I mean, it starts on Thursday, and it's an absolute beast throughout. Uh, so with the podcast, we obviously had our stream Thursday. And then for my personal uh, job, I had a lot of work that revolved around the draft. So I'm kind of coming up for air after that. And then hmm, what else? The, the main weekend thing that was awesome. It was a kind of surreal experience, I would say, just uh, the way things unfolded, I'll explain it to you guys. So going back, dating ourselves here, uh, about freshman year of high school, I stumbled upon a rapper who used to be a baseball player at Duke named Mike Studd. Uh, yeah, I know, kind of a cringy rap name. That's why it was always funny telling people that I, he was one of my favorite artists. Like Mike Studd, that's pretty, uh, for all intents and purposes, a pretty rap name. And he acknowledged that. Uh, as he's gotten older and he's, I don't know, I think he's in his 30s now, but he's going back on tour after COVID. Uh, his whole music has changed throughout, I don't know, the eight plus years of being a fan of his. And I got my friends into into him as well. Like Alex and Evan are pretty big fans. So we got a small group of us to go to his concert at the Fillmore in Detroit on Sunday and go down there. I'd never been to the Fillmore so I'll say that first and foremost. I didn't really know what to expect. A very beautiful venue, very kind of old with some uh, cool art and whatnot. And if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, unfortunately, the, the way it worked was the tickets kind of sold out decently fast, at least in the lower general admission area. So we had lower balcony seats and the balcony was not really full, which kind of just already makes the atmosphere concert not as exciting when you, you want to be surrounded by people that are also having a great time, good energy. So we were still going to enjoy it uh, without a doubt because we love his music. But it just probably wouldn't have been that hype of a concert experience as it could have been until something that has never happened to me, the pure luck, the pure good karma of it. We're standing there through the opening acts. And I do think this did play a massive factor for like most of the opening acts. We were standing up the whole time, whereas other people in the balcony were, were just sitting, you know, kind of getting ready for the main show. But uh, I mean, I'm there a couple of drinks in. Obviously, it's a Sunday. You're having fun with your friends and we're just standing up. Um, didn't really know the songs being played, but we're just vibing to the music. And one of the workers from the film war comes up to our section. Didn't know if we were about to get in trouble or anything. And because oh, we could smell we could smell some strong weed scents in the area. So I didn't know if they're like trying to figure out where that's coming from. But she goes, she asked me because I'm on the end of the aisle. She goes on a scale of one to ten, how big of Mike fans are you? And I guess I should have said Mike Stud changed his name to Mike as he got older because he wanted to get rid of that name. But she goes, anyways, how big on a scale of one to ten of Mike fans are you guys? 
without hesitation, I said, I'd say we're tense because we know like every song. Uh, I'm thinking this in my head. I'm not saying this out loud. I just said, I think we're a 10. And she goes, okay, well, here are five tickets or five of us in our group to go down to the main floor and you'll have two VIP tables there right next to the bar. Like, are you serious? This is happening. So without hesitation, grab the tickets, look to the guys like, hey, follow me. That was, you want to talk about being drunk with power or a rush, just be able to tell the boys, hey, uh, it wasn't, I didn't do anything to get us these, but I have them in my hand. So follow me to the VIP section was pretty awesome. So we get down there and it's a pretty good vantage point. You have your own two tables, like she said, right next to the bar, which is great for getting more drinks, probably led to the hangover that I felt the next day, just being that close. And there was plenty of room. You're not elbow to elbow with people because like we said you're in a sectioned off area and we were right behind the audio control booth and how they do the graphics so that was pretty cool just in a nerdy sense to see how a concert is run uh, in the back you could see guys adjusting the audio levels and putting up different graphics but it was a good view and it would have been great uh if just that happened but then it got even better if that were possible so mike decided uh, probably halfway through his show and I'd seen him do it at some of the other shows. So I didn't know how he'd be able to do it at the Fillmore. He decided to come into the crowd to sing some of his songs because he wanted not to just be on stage the whole time. And you always love that when artists have some tricks up their sleeve to make things more unique. So he comes out with his security team and they're around him. And it just so happens he like stands right on the ledge pretty much within five yards, a couple feet of where we are. So we're just like a front row. We, we turned into the front row. We were a bunch of rows deep, but in the VIP lift, lifted up area. But now we're front row at our own table. He's singing several songs that we love. And it's just a great moment for if you're in a concert, anyone can relate to it. If you were seeing your favorite artists and they came up right to where you happen to be at and you already had great fortune from being moved down from the, the balcony in the beginning, it was just everything was going our way. And I just was very appreciative of how that night turned out. And it was awesome. And it was the classic thing when we were done where like you just had such a good time and you liked all the songs that you want to buy like a, a hat from the show or not, you know, the next couple of weeks, I'll just be listening to a lot of Mike music and be like, oh, this, this song was so good when he performed it live. It's just that classic thing where you get obsessed with the artist uh, you just saw. And I like it more when you see a, you see a new artist, like sometimes at the festivals, like Faster Horses, you'll like Brothers Osborne. I had never really listened to Brothers Osborne until I went to Faster Horses and then I became obsessed with their music after seeing them live. So it's a little bit different with Mike. So like, like I said, I've been a fan of his since freshman year of high school. And so I'm just going to be even more uh, appreciative of his newer music and looking forward to anything that comes out from there. So that was the concert. I'm curious to see uh, what how Alex's viewpoint of it was. So you'll get to hear that. And then lastly, the only other kind of dumb thing that stuck in my head when I was writing down my notes for my check-ins is that at the gym, I've recently started using the stair stepper machine, which typically the stereotype of that machine would be for females because they want to work on the glutes and the legs and whatnot. You don't see a ton of guys on it. I, I'm telling you this, if you're a guy out there and you've thought about not doing it because of some masculinity thing, get on the stair stepper now because that thing is a brutal workout. I think the other day I set the machine to just take me through a 10 minute workout and I put my target heart rate of like 90% of the max because I wanted to feel a good burn. And I was having to repeatedly hit level down uh, as the machine kept cranking up to get my heart rate going because it was just so difficult. You feel it in your quads, your thighs, hamstrings, your your calves, and, and definitely in the glutes. So it, it works. It's like a full 
full workout on the legs. And sometimes it's like, if you don't really want to go barbell squat that day or just do some leg stuff, just hop on the stair stepper and get after it though. Don't just go lazy on the stair stepper. Really, really, uh, get, get after it on that. Cause then you'll look at down like, Oh my gosh, I just climbed 60 floors of stairs on this machine. And you're like, wow, imagine doing that in like a building and you can realize why your legs are on fire. Thursday draft show. Good time. Good beers with good buddies. Um, then Friday, what did I do? I watched the second round of the draft and then I hung out with a buddy and went to the infamous JPBB. Um, pretty weird vibe. Um, got asked to do cocaine in the bathroom. I don't know if Grant will keep that or not, but that was interesting. Uh, did decline. And then, uh, yeah, came back. Um, Saturday, I hit golf balls. I, you know, worked on my game, tried to get better. Saturday night, ran the bars back again with a couple more people this time. Um, don't remember quite where we went. Fifth Ave. Um, all right. Played some pool. I'm like the best, worst pool player of all time. I'm either really good or really, really bad. I think I've touched on that in the past, but that's what I did Saturday night. Didn't want to get uh, crazy knowing we had the concert on Sunday night, which I'm sure Grant went into great detail about. So I'm not going to go super deep into that, but basically had pretty not good seats. And then we were standing. Well, I wasn't, but the rest of the group was standing up there. And this lady came up to us and was like, hey, are you guys fans? One to ten. I think that that's what she asked Grant. Grant says ten out of ten. And then all of a sudden we're at a VIP table taking in, uh, taking in the mic concert. So that was pretty sweet, pretty fun, good times. Uh, I think I got food poisoning from Tin Roof. It threw up in the middle of the night. Some are saying it was alcohol-induced. I would argue it was not. So that is a hot debate out there. But but overall, concert, a lot of fun. Got a sweet new hat. Will be wearing it this summer quite often. And then took me into Monday, golf league. So... um. Played new guys again, so they had to establish their handicaps. I played a little better. <clears throat> uh, shot a 39, and I topped four tee shots, just barely off of the uh, off the tee box. Just barely made it off. Somehow, still shot a 39. So everything else was good. Tee shots. There's a bit of a mental block, but most importantly. We took 21 out of 30 points. So we won 21 to 9, which should put us right on the butt of Evan and Drew, who we are trying to beat. And then also for Evan and I's uh, birdie bet, also I had another birdie and Evan did not play. So that hurts Evan a little bit. Now we're going to get into the Lions draft, my perspective on that. Uh, again, like I mentioned in the beginning, uh, thank you for watching the live stream, everyone. But also, if you haven't and you want like the raw reactions of how we felt on draft night and some jokes and whatnot, um, 
go watch that. Uh, there's, I don't really have timestamps, but you can think about how the draft was. We started around eight. So the very first chunk, you'll get our reaction to Hutchinson. And then I don't know, about an hour, hour and a half into the stream, you will see what happened when we traded up to 12. And it was kind of funny because we were delayed. And so the chat was telling us, hey, we traded up and we thought they were lying because last year the chat was making jokes about our draft picks and then we traded and it wasn't true. So I thought that was a deja vu. But no, we actually did trade. Um, it got us all off the couch. We were very nervous what was going to happen. And then and it'll be interesting to see what everyone's thoughts are today as we're a couple of days removed. But at the moment, I was not happy that we drafted a wide receiver at 12 and neither was Evan. I always was very pro Jameson Williams. So you'll, we'll see how all of our thoughts have evolved. But I'm going to start with Hutchinson at number two. And obviously, I'm selfish and I'm biased because he played at Michigan. I'm a fan of Michigan. He was I don't know, more than 50% of the reason, like I got to enjoy one of, it was the most fun college football season I've ever watched as a Michigan fan for like our team rooting perspective. So I'm going to love the pick no matter what. And there's that side, but then I also will, will defend. I had a whole one sheet notes for draft night. If you listen to the stream, you heard it of why Aiden Hutchinson is better than Kayvon Thibodeau going down to the character concerns, but even like his athletic testing was better than Kayvon's. And his production in a season was better. So he checked a lot of boxes everywhere. And it was a no-brainer. And you saw that when Trayvon Walker went number one and the Lions pick was in within, I don't know, a couple seconds. And it was so much so that even in a Peter King article from Monday that a Lions representative told him that they actually got in trouble with the league, like kind of a joking manner, because they turned the pick in way too fast. Like they wanted to drag out draft night a little bit, you know, spend time on all the picks. And Lions were like, nope, we're taking eight hundred and we don't even need to think about it. So I love that. And what I'll say to Michigan State fans is just give the kid a chance. Um, I assume most rational Michigan State fans will. Like in my perspective, if the Lions needed a running back really bad and they took Kenneth Walker in the second round, I'm going to root for Kenneth Walker because the jerseys are off when you're that point in the league. It's the pros. You just want your pro team to be good now. And I'm just so happy for myself personally, selfishly, like, again, like I said, that I just get to watch Aiden Hutchinson play more because it was a joy to watch him play all 15 or so games his final year and early in his career was was fun as well and the one thing that i want to sell people on to if you want to be on the the kool-aid drinking part is what hutchinson did at michigan was something that no one really saw coming in the sense of michigan was in this huge drought of not winning a big 10 title not going to an indy uh not being osu so all these things were just unattainable for Michigan and fans of the team were like, is this ever going to happen? Well, the Lions are in the same spot. They have a playoff drought that's lasted years and years and years. I've never seen them win a playoff game in my entire life. And I know one player can't change everything, but you listen to every Michigan player say that Aiden Hutchinson was a massive reason why we were able to accomplish what we did because it started in the offseason when he went into the weight room and worked like a psychopath to get even better off of his injury that he sustained. And that's just like is it's like a drug for your teammates because now they want to become as good as they can be. So I think him bringing that in to the Lions facility, assuming he's the same guy that he was in college, is going to be a benefit from day one. And then one concern I could have on the flip side is they've already talked uh, in kind of their press conferences, the coaches of the reactions of the pick that they love Hutchinson's versatility of being able to rush from the inside, be down in a three point stance and whatnot. 
I just really hope they don't mess with him too much and just let him be a stand-up edge rusher. He can rush from the inside, but if, if he had his best season of his entire football career as a stand-up edge rusher in Mike McDonald's defense, why not try to let him do that in the NFL? And if it's not going great, then you can kind of go back to the inside. But I really hope they just stick to that blueprint that Michigan laid for him. Hutchison at two... Before I get into like the nitty gritty of it, you know, there's reports now now that NFL got pissed at the Lions for turning in the card too fast. Um, they didn't draw this four hour TV show entertainment service out. Um, Lions knew who they wanted, and then you said, "Yeah, I don't need to wait any longer with the number two pick." Um, and plus, uh, you can't really turn it in until you're on the clock. And as soon as the picks in previously, then you can turn it in. Obviously, they knew that the Jaguars are going with Trayvon Walker. Um, so we got our guy, or the guy that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell wanted. He's going to be a great culture fit. He's definitely a hustle guy. Um, yes, Grant has all the stats of saying how Hutchinson's technically more athletic. You know, I'm going off of my eye test. Um, I like Thibodeau more than Hutchinson, but I understand. I'm kind of the guy where, like, now with the Lions, we're in no position to, you know, I don't yeah, I don't want to criticize like picks because it's not like we're competing for championships yet. It's where like we almost need any position. There was almost any position that I would have been okay with at two. Um, yeah, question marks with the defense backs, but I would have been okay with it. I would talk myself into it. Um, pass rusher, obviously, great deal in need. So I'm happy we got him. I have no ill will against him. He's not wearing the Michigan uniform anymore. And the more he succeeds at two, the more the Lions are going to succeed. Um, it just hurts. I still don't think he is like a top five, you know, pick. I think it was just the way the talent of this draft. Now, I, I hope I'm completely wrong. And everybody looks at like, you know, his stats his senior year. Um, but I'm more of a kind of season or career stats because his rest of his career aren't that impressive. Yes, he got injured. Uh, yes, he didn't play much his freshman year. So, you know, why didn't he if he's a top two pick? Um, but overall, you know, I'm happy with it. Um, I'm not going to be upset. Obviously, we didn't really need an offensive line. So, like, up on the board. Um, Icky, don't really go there. Cross, no. Uh, Evan Neal, no. I would have been all right with it. I would have understand it, you know, boost up the offensive line for the rookie quarterback next year. Uh you know, the only one I would rather see is Thibodeau. Yeah, Thibodeau. That's who I wanted, but you're just comparing apple, a green apple to a red apple, so it's not really that much difference. Obviously, if Hutchinson stinks and Thibodeau does well, you know, then you're going to look back and be like, oh, you missed on it. But as of right now, I've, I'm all right with it. I'm okay with it. He wants to be here, and I think Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell want him to be here too. You know, hopefully he turns into a captain on the defense in three to four years, and hopefully he plays here for, you know, eight to ten years. Well, I think Aiden Hodgson was, despite my Michigan State bias and hating Michigan and talking against um, Aiden throughout the process and talking for Kayvon, I would say right before the draft, I convinced myself that Hutchinson is the right guy. Um, I think I believe that because his floor just seems 
the highest of any of the prospects. He doesn't really have any red flags. Yes, he has small arms, but he had the production in college. He has a relentless motor, works hard. I just can't imagine that kid coming into the league and completely busting. So I think he has a good floor. My questions about him were how high is the ceiling? Dan Campbell talked about it and said he had a lot of untapped potential. I trust the head coach. He should know more football than I do. So with that being said, I'm I'm happy with the pick. Um, some of the guys that went behind him, Derek Stingley, no chance I would take him at two. Sauce Gardner, I like Sauce, no chance at two. And then Kayvon and a tackle from NC State uh, round up the top six. And I think it's safe to say that Hutchinson is would have been the pick 10 out of 10 times for me at number two. Um, shout out to Jags for taking Trayvon Walker one and making the Lions job a little easier. Uh, funny thing I saw today was that the Lions, the NFL's math Lions for turning in their uh, cards super fast. Didn't know that was a thing. Pretty, pretty funny though. But now we'll transition to Jameson at number 12. Obviously, like I mentioned off the rip, mixed reactions with this. It was surprising. One, the Lions train up for a skill guy. I guess they probably have in past drafts, but it just doesn't feel like that as of late where we're the aggressor in situations, especially because Brad Holmes has played things pretty close to the vest and not passive, but not super aggressive in his first year because he's just getting his feet wet as a full-time GM. He pulls the trigger, goes up to 12. Um, And the first thing about the trade, not who we took, it was a great trade in the sense of value. Objectively, no matter what you thought of taking Williams, it was a great trade for the Lions because you, I mean, I think it was our guy who we had on the show, Austin Gale, put in a tweet about how he framed it in a way that we moved up 20 spots in the first round and then moved down 20 spots in the second round or so, something like that. And we only gave up like a extra third round pick and if you look at any of the draft trade value charts the value was on the lions being able to move to move to 12 with a division rival the vikings in their first time gm so major props to brad holmes for pulling that off now the pick itself i get what's going on where you want to build a football team around like just build a football team regardless of the quarterback and then hopefully you can lure a quarterback in eventually because make no mistake, the biggest thing this team still needs needs is a Super Bowl winning quarterback or a, a capable of doing so. And I don't, I love, I like Jared Goff as the guy. Love Jared Goff as the guy. He's a great guy. I just don't see him being able to win a Super Bowl really. Uh, so they still need that. Could they make the playoffs ever with Jared Goff? I do think so, but we'll see. I don't know how long his contract. They'll actually keep him under contract, so we'll see. Um, and if you want to talk yourself into like, yes, this is this is an awesome pick. It was, uh, I believe, 2018 when Brandon Cooks was on the Rams when Goff had his best year or whatnot. What that, whatever that year was with Brandon Cooks, and he was that vertical deep shot threat. That's what Jameson Williams is. A lot of people thought he was the best receiver in the entire draft. He must have been, I don't know, top top five or so maybe on the Lions big board like internally to make that move. Like you got to be really high on a kid. Obviously he has the ACL injury, so who knows when we'll see him exactly. Good thing is like everyone's rip said we don't have to rush him back. But the, the thing on the other side is, is that Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton went right after Jamison Williams. And I, in my head, those are two guys we could look back at being Hall of Famers and be like, dang, if we had just taken one of them. And then when the trade was made, I was like, oh my gosh, we're getting Kyle Hamilton because I'm blinded by Kyle Hamilton. I mean, he's 
one of the guys I like the most in this draft. Alex was asking people on the stream, like, who do you think would be the most surefire Hall of Famer? Like, there's no such thing. But if you had to pick one, like, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame from this class? I said Kyle Hamilton, just because he's a freak uh, safety. And and then Jordan Davis, I mean, that's Evan's guy. He'll talk about him probably if we could have got him. Was the most athletic defensive tackle of all time, like, since 1987 of all the advanced testing numbers. Like, Jordan Davis is the guy. So that stinks to pass him up but um i'm excited selfishly to watch jameson williams he's very exciting you can you can definitely talk yourself into it when you go watch his highlights now the biggest move that i was not preparing for the trade up for jameson williams um alex's guy he loves him if you watch the uh if you watch the live stream with us he was like, oh, he's going to be a monster. He's going to be an all-star. He's going to be a monster. If, if you had to take a drink or a shot every time Alex said his name, you'd have been drunk probably by pick 17, I would say. So not that much longer after we picked. There's reports out now today that Rappaport uh, was saying the Lions offered 32 and 66, I think it was, for Debo. They obviously declined. That's okay. And as soon as that point, they were all in on Williamson, whatever way we can get them. They had him number one on our board. Obviously, you move up. You had the draft capital to move up and get him. Now, everybody's going to say, oh, we we did, we kind of didn't even really use our pick. Oh, you've had this pick for over a year now. That pick is yours. Yes, it did belong to the Rams at one point, but they don't value this pick is yours. And so technically, you did lose a draft pick. In the moment, I was upset by it because I'm more of a guy that wants value and like there's other needs that I saw were necessary. Um, but if they see a guy that's number one wide receiver in the number one wide receiver class that come out in the last four or five years, then I understand it. Obviously he has the ACL injury. Hopefully he gets better. Hopefully he's a healthy Daniel Jeremiah said on the draft that he's expected back in October, but Jameson said uh, he's most likely to come back or to be ready for training camp. I hope they hold off on him. I hope they kind of like save him you know, as healthy as possible. Um, then obviously it depends on what the schedule comes out like. You'll never know. Or because we're in no need to win now. So I want him as healthy as possible. I'm okay with it. I'm happy for it because obviously there's a proof to winning. And hopefully it starts now. And they see he is a top talent. So you have to go get him. That's okay. It happens because then you have second and third round picks or day picks. So now... The the big Lions move that more people um, are going to question was the trade up for Jamison Williams. So for the first time in the fresh Brad Holmes era, we saw him uh, get a little bit aggressive and go up and uh, get a guy that he wanted. So the Lions traded 32, 34, and 66 for 12 and 46 which 12 turned into jameson williams and 46 turned into josh pascal so what do i think of it personally well when the trade was ha- uh, happened and we all saw the lines were on the clock uh, we we're all speculating i think grant said kyle hamilton evan said jordan davis um, i said both of those two first and then i thought maybe Jameson Williams could be an option there. Um, full disclosure, the week before the draft, I was talking to Evan's brother, not Wyatt, Hunter, 
and we were talking about how awesome it would be to have Jameson Williams, but there's no chance we'd ever have a chance at him. But we both thought he was going to be the best receiver in the draft, hands down. So when the Lions did do that and pass on the likes of Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton and others, at first I was a little nervous, but then right away I was all in for it. Um, I think Jameson Williams is an absolute game changer. Um, could take the top off defense. Uh, I like that he he's a football guy blowing up people on special teams. Not that he's going to play special teams in the NFL. Like Evan was yelling at me saying that's what I thought. But no, I don't think he's going to play special teams. But I just really like the football player. Super explosive. Would immediately be the best receiver on the Lions, assuming he's healthy. Which brings me to my only red flag, which would be uh, obviously he tore his ACL, non-contact injury um, in the national championship game. So hopefully the Lions don't rush him back. I don't expect us to be full-blown contenders. So if he has to go on the pup and sit six weeks, totally fine with that. But um, first two picks for the Lions, Hutchinson and Jameson Williams, I would say that that is an A-plus haul in, the, in your first two picks on uh, day one of the draft. As we move down the draft here, it was alarming to read from some reporters that the Lions front office doesn't view their linebacking room as a liability and that they were comfortable waiting as long as they did to take one. Um, the pick that will, everyone will think about is Josh Pascal. Uh, Josh Pascal, Pascal, I got to look that up, but they take him. Nicobe Dean's there. Malik Willis is there. Obviously, Nicobe Dean had a bunch of stuff that everyone they made everyone pass on him to like late in the third or whenever it was. So we'll always look back on that thinking about, well, what if, so there, I, it does think the, for Jordan from Kentucky, it's definitely going to be some add pressure on him. Um, knowing that the guys we passed up on. So we'll see how that goes. I, I do like that. They're beefing up the edge because, you know, your linebacker core can be weak. Your secondary can be weak. The defense all works together. If you have a dominant edge rush, it allows linebackers to, um, you know, not get blocked as much by offensive linemen. They can free flow. And then obviously the, the, the clear thing is it helps the secondary because uh, if the quarterback's rushed, he's not going to have as much time to stand back there and make a good throw. So everything works together. It, it was interesting to see how they prioritize it. They must have been really high on Pascal from Kentucky. He was a three-time captain, a cancer survivor. Everything you see, he's a great kid. He's going to be um, great for the locker room. So that is good. So that is, is a good culture fit. That is good to have. He does look pretty athletic when you watch his tape. And then the rest of the draft, I'm not going to get too in the weeds. I'm glad they picked up a safety. The linebacker from Oklahoma State seems to be everyone's trendy sleeper pick that could make the roster and even you know start uh, in the linebacking core this season. Wouldn't surprise me. Like I said, I personally don't think the linebacking core is that great. So I think if his floor is a, a really good special teams player and his ceiling could be a starting linebacker on the team, we'll see how all that shakes out. Moving on to that, so day two and day three picks. So let's just list them off for the audience. Um, pick 46, got Josh Pascal from Kentucky. 97, Kirby Joseph for Illinois. Uh, not until pick round five, didn't have a fourth-round pick. So 177, James Mitchell, Virginia Tech. Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker in the sixth round. James Houston, edge slash linebacker in the sixth round. And then our last pick, 237, was Chase Lucas, cornerback from Arizona State. You know, the biggest question is you're taking another defense alignment when you took one at number two in Pascal. Uh, Pascal graded out really well, and they have him 
uh, really high on their board. And there's reports out now that Brad Holmes is going to be upset with Dan Campbell if they pass on him. And it's kind of where those situations where he was forced on their board in that round and they probably can't believe they fell to him or he's still there and we, we had to take him no matter what. And we'll fill out the rest there. I'm okay with it. I've watched his tape. Um, if you put on the Florida game, Pascal's all over it. And I think he stands out. I think that was the big, best game he had. There's out a couple highlight films you can watch. He was a force against Georgia. Uh, impacted that game differently. So he's got the numbers. His get-off is quick. I think he can play multiple positions. I think he can play defensive end. Um, I think he can play five-tech. I think he can play three-tech. So I think you're just adding depth to a position is now versatile. Now, I know it's like third down. I think third down, it helps a lot because you don't have to have a bigger guy in there. So, like, if you want to get after the quarterback, you can now get Aquaro, you can now get Brockers, you can now get Hutchinson, and you can now get Pascal. So four athletic freaks that can use their speed to get after the quarterback you might not be able to have to bring much else. So I think that's it's going to help us there. You're more athletic up front. You don't really have to have a run stopper and figure it out really well at the runs. I'm happy with it. Obviously, you got to say yes because there's no position that you can't really be upset about. It does highlight how they felt about the quarterbacks and how the rest of the NFL felt about the quarterbacks because we all fell. Um, I'm just happy we didn't take one. Um, you can take one next year. It's one of those things where you see what you have with golf another year, maybe restructure the contract, but I'm just happy. We, you know, we didn't take one. We didn't waste a pick on one. Uh, adding sa- safety help. Obviously, like I mentioned, Kirby Joseph in the third round, slower safety, but he's got good coverage, good ball skills. And he's long and athletic. I mean, he's just adding depth there. Obviously I wanted to see sign. Um, but when you try to pick away, you're not going to get him. Day two of the draft for the Lions was also filled with quite a bit of controversy. So at 46, uh, the obvious names available that people had been talking about pre-draft were Nicobe Dean and Malik Willis. Um, Both had fallen to 46, even though we had already traded back from 34 to 46. Um, So, but they were still there. Obviously me watching the draft Yes, I wanted them. One of them I was cool with. I really wanted Nicobe Dean. Um, but we passed on him, and we took Joshua Pascal, defensive end from Kentucky. Everything I've read about it is he might be the second or third best uh, pass rusher in the entire draft. I believe you know building from the trenches is totally a, a okay thing to do. If you have a nasty defensive line, it's going to help out your bad secondary. It's going to help out your linebackers. It makes the entire defense better. And if Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell thought that this guy was a better pick than Nicobe Dean, then I'm not going to question it too much. Obviously, for this podcast, it's good for us to question things and um, give hot takes. But I actually like the pick. Watching a little bit of his, his film, I thought he was pretty good. Good pass rusher. Gets to the quarterback, and then he has – Great football guy qualities that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes are looking for. Good leadership. So overall, I'm not going to complain. I think it's a good pick. A lot of smarter blue check marks out there think it was a good pick. So I'm good with that one. 
the only the only question is is Nicobe Dean going to be an All Pro five years in a row or something crazy? I thought that before the draft, so hopefully that's that wasn't the mistake that we made. Um, but obviously that pick is going to be compared quite a bit to whatever Nicobe Dean or if Malik Willis became a star as well. Next pick for the Lions, Kirby Joseph, safety out of Illinois. Once again, pundits thought it was a good pick. Um, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell were super surprised that he was still there at 97, so they thought it was a slam dunk pick. Um, good player, pretty rangy. He led the NCAA in something, but I have forgotten his stat. But it's something. I'm sure Grant talked about it because Grant's Grant's stat guy. But he was ranked uh, number one by PFF for safeties last year in college football. Um, only thing is, he did play Illinois. Not a great, not really known for great defense. Um, but you needed a safety. You didn't take a linebacker here. I thought they could have taken a taken a Channing Tindall or someone like that. Didn't do it. Took Kirby Joseph, but needed a safety to go with Tracy Walker, and I think. Um, they addressed a need there, and obviously he was high on the board. Round, so then no picks, round four. And then round five, they took a tight end out of Virginia Tech. Full disclosure, don't know anything about this guy. I think he was injured. Um, so I'm not going to get crazy into it. Um, 6'4", 250, so he's a big dude. It's good to have tight end depth. I'm not sure that's the direction I would have went there. But it's round five, so you're just trying to find hidden talent. You're not necessarily going to land a bunch of starters in round five through seven. But whatever, we'll see. I mean, he's not going to start. He probably won't play much. Hopefully he can contribute on special teams. Round six, first pick, Malcolm Rodriguez. That's a guy I like. Um, He's kind of like a little meatball, but he tested super well athletically. Um, he used to play safety, now moved into linebacker at Oklahoma State. A really good player, college player. So I think he has a chance to play right away. He's definitely going to play on special teams. If not, um, he could compete to play at one of the linebacker spots. I mean, there's not a lot of competition there, so I think there's a, a good chance. We definitely see him on the field a lot this year. Um, whether it's a starter or just a third down guy or whatever, I'm not sure. But I think that's a, a solid level pick for the sixth round. James Houston um, played at Florida, then transferred to Jackson State. Was the best defensive player in the FCS, I believe, is what I saw. Like I said earlier about round five through seven, I mean – those picks, they are what they are at this point. Um, you're just hoping to land like good special teams guy, good camp guys. Hopefully guys that make your team and can make your team better in practice every day, but they're not going to be every down contributors. Find one of those, great. I like uh, taking a guy with upside, and I think uh, James Houston has that. Last pick, Chase Lucas, corner, Arizona State. In the brief highlights they showed on ESPN, he looked slow and bad. So I think that is not a very good pick. Um, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he got cut. He just did not look very good. I don't know. They should have drafted in the seventh round, um, but I didn't 
necessarily love that guy's tape or film. He looked slow and bad. So that that pick is a no for me. I do love uh, that we draft athletic now. There's a great account like Math Bomb Kent Lee Platt on Twitter uh, who does RAS scores relative athletic scores it shows all these things and does great color-coded charts of where everyone ranks we had the second most athletic draft um, of any team and that's even without james williams numbers because he didn't get it to test everywhere but he was the fastest player uh, with the gps tracking system that the lions use so you think about taekwon thornton ran like a what a 428.40 james williams could have easily run that if not better he said he probably would have had the fastest 40 i kind of trust him i don't think he'd be lying so that was awesome that we draft like athletes now because that is not something that uh, Patricia and Bob Quinn really did. So that's good. Um, some questions that the guys will all answer, and I'll get mine in now. What production do you need to see off Hutchinson in year one to feel good about the pick? So obviously, this is assuming full health, playing all the games. You, I think you want to see 10 sacks. That's about what we came up with on from looking through past sack leaders of rookies. I mean, he's the number two pick. I would like for him to develop into a Max Crosby, um, a Sam Hubbard, a Trey Hendrickson type of edge rusher. And now the ceiling or kind of like the best case is he gets into a Bosa, like Nick Bosa, TJ Watt level. I'm not putting those expectations on him um, because those guys are just absolute. Well, Bosa more so. The Bosa Bosa were just absolute freaks in college. So we'll see how it plays out for Hutchinson. Um, But you want to see double digit sacks that make you feel good about the number two pick. Same question for Jamison. This one's hard because I don't know when he's going to play. Um, I told Alex on the stream, with this trade-up, you need this guy to be a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson impact player for your team. That may not happen year one because of his injury, but in year two, they need that production like well over a thou- like 1,000 yards plus, um, six, eight, seven, eight touchdowns, like a lot of touchdowns. I mean, Jamar Chase at 13. Um, so you need a lot of production to, for going up and getting that. I think it'll be good. Scale of one to ten, how do you feel about this Lions draft? Um, I would say a eight out of ten. Love that they got Hutchinson. That that could be more selfish too, but I think he was the right edge rusher there. I'm excited about Jameson Williams, even though I do have some doubts about taking a wide out and training up for it like that with the other needs. Um, it's not higher because I still would have taken a chance on Nicobe Dean. You could have even talked me into Malik Willis at one point if they had to trade up or wherever to get him. Cause I just think again, take a shot on a QB because that's what you ultimately need. But I like Pascal from what I've seen. I like Kirby Joseph from Illinois. I like the linebacker. So overall eight out of 10 feels good that they, they didn't do anything too crazy. Um, way too early over under wins for the Lions team next year. Fun question. So this was good. The number that I had in my head was six. I think six wins sounds right to me. Um, three more than last year. You have, assuming you, you know, full health because we had Tim Boyle a lot. So it could even be higher than six, but obviously with the variance in the NFL, like, you know, you beat the Vikings on the last throw of the game. You could lose a game like that easily. So then it could go down. So I'm going to be safe and say six. And then I went on FanDuel and I checked what are the odds right now and they're at uh, six and a half and the six and a half if you go over is like plus 135 so they're basically saying they expect six two so it was good for some validation on that Uh, i swear i did not look any of that up before i just thought six in my head and then lastly any other michigan msu players drafted in the fit so we had kenneth walker to seattle hassan haskins to tennessee i love those fits two teams that like to run the football uh kenneth walker is going to look 
sweet in Seattle uniforms and imagine having to try to tackle Derrick Henry all game and then he goes out for a breather and then you just get Hassan Haskins in your face that's not fun so whoever has to deal with that I feel bad for and that's really all my thoughts on the Lions draft uh it's exciting I'm just ready for football to start oh and another reason I guess I should say is I'm a little was a little nervous about the Jameson Williams pick is because I'm high on DJ Chark I think he can look like he used to especially that one good season he had so in my mind it wasn't as big of a need to take a wide out that early but again he's someone we haven't had like a stretching the defense I mean people say this guy could be like a 6-2 Tyreek Hill and that would be definitely worth the 12th pick and trading some assets for it so we'll see what happens um, but I'm very excited to watch him play. So I'm happy there overall. I'm happy with the draft. I'd give it a B plus. So out of one out of ten, I'd give it a so a B B plus. So I'm giving it an eight point five because of you're not adding depth until later in the rounds. Um, you go edge, wide receiver, edge, and then you're not assessing this the rest of it until later in the rounds, which is okay. Obviously, these are a different position, and I, I really like. I like the Malcolm Rodriguez pick. I like the James Mitchell pick. James Mitchell, you know, was kind of he was injured. Um, he had another ACL injury, so you know, but he's athletic. He's a pass catching, but he's also graded out pretty well as blocking. So yeah, you need a depth there. On well, Malcolm Rodriguez, I think the only reason he fell is because he's short. He's an athletic specimen, two sport athlete. Um, wrestled. He was on one of the best defenses this past year, over 400 tackles in his career. I think he just doesn't have like the lateral quickness or the speed that most like linebackers have nowadays. Um, but he was a leading captain. He play recognition is high up on there. And any team that actually ran like a zone blocking scheme, he was the best linebacker on their team at filling the run gaps in the holes. You know, more gap scheme, more man-to-man. He kind of struggled to get off blocks if they got to him during the second level. But if it was zone, he would burst through that line. So I'm happy with that pick. I'm all right with it. Way too early on, over under for the Lions wins next year. I was super optimistic last year. Um, but you look at our, the Lions' schedule, and it's winnable. There's not many for sure losses. I would say Buffalo for sure lost. Dolphins for sure lost. And at Green Bay is a for sure loss. But other than that, I mean, Washington at home, all depends on how Carson Wentz plays. I think they're better than us. Um, but completely healthy, both teams, I think it's a fair fight. Bears are in rebuild mode just like us. Dallas did not get better. That's a winnable game. Bears again um, at home. I think when Packers, you never know, most likely L, but toss-up depends on what time you play them. Uh, Vikings winnable game. Eagles got way better. They dominated us last year in the worst NFL game I ever attended. So I would say that was probably going to be a loss. Buffalo already touched on Miami, already touched on Green Bay, already touched on loss, loss, loss. So there's there's four losses. Uh, Minnesota, again, winnable. Patriots, again, winnable. They probably had the worst draft I've ever seen. Um, question marks there. They didn't add any athletes. They added one. Like, Thompson, I think, from Baylor, but they kind of said they reached on him. So, toss-up. Giants is a toss-up. Jets is a toss-up. Panthers toss-up. Jacksonville and Seattle. So, I mean, if you said over under five and a half or six and a half wins, I would probably have to say over. 
it's just a winnable. Obviously, we're going to lose games that we shouldn't have, and we're going to win games that we shouldn't have. But we're, we're still going to lose majority of them because of talent and depth on the roster. Um, we're just not there yet. But I would I would probably say six or seven wins as of right now. You know, it's getting there. It's slowly getting there. MSU had four players drafted. Good to see. Obviously, Kenneth going to Seattle in the second round, second running back taken. Proud of that. I, running backs just aren't valued as much anymore. If this was five, six years ago, Kenneth Walker would have been a first-round pick. Um, good to see Connor Hayward get drafted. Jalen Naylor get drafted, and then Akuria actually get drafted, which is actually kind of surprising. He has a chance to actually, you know, compete for a spot there in LA with their depth at their offensive line and their value of players. So overall, good you know, good draft for Mel Tucker and developing these players right away. Uh, happy for it. But overall, if I had to grade the draft, all those picks, I feel really good about the first. Four picks. So based on that alone, I'd give it a high B, B plus, A minus. Probably more closer to a B plus for the overall draft. What production do you need to see out of Hutchinson in year one to feel good about the pick? Um, I'm sure Grant, when he goes through this, he's already talked about rookies and their sack numbers and blah, blah, blah. Um, I'd like to see 10 or more sacks out of Hutchinson this season. Some might say that's lofty. I don't think so. 10 sacks from Hutchinson, and I'll feel really, really good about it. But also, I'm setting the bar a little higher just because he's a Michigan player, and I'm going to belittle him if he sucks. Same question for Jameson. It's a little different for him. I don't think he's he's not going to play the first few games at least. So with that being said, if he had... Stat, if he came on like Amonra did at the end of the season, I would be happy with that considering he would have missed games. Amonra didn't miss any games. But I ex- I would feel good if he had – if he played a full season, 1,000 yards, I would like. Um, if he plays like half a season, 500 yards plus, plus, you know, flashy plays they get get everyone excited so we can see that he is fully healthy and the same talent that was at Alabama. Scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel about this Lions draft? Oh, I kind of rated it on the ABC scale, but 1 to 10, I'll give it a 7.7. And then way too early over under for Lions team next year. Let me pull up a schedule. I'm just going to go through every game, tell you if they win or lose. Commanders, home, win, dumpster fire. At Bears, dumpster fire, win. 2-0, Dallas, loss in Dallas. 2-1, Chicago at home, win. 3-1, Green Bay at home, I'm going to say win. 4-1, Minnesota at home, win. 5-1, but this is not in order, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Philly, loss, Bills loss, Dolphins loss, so we're back to five and four. Green Bay, Minnesota loss, loss five and six. New England loss five and seven. Giants, we'll say they played the Giants and the Jets. I'll say they win one of those, so six and eight. Panthers win seven and eight. 
Seahawks lost seven and nine. Jaguars at home. I think they win that, but they must have, they have to lose it to everyone out there. So I'm going seven and ten final record for the Lions. So I'll set the over under at six and a half and I'll take the over. Uh, other draft thoughts I had. Um, Kenneth Walker, good fit, gets to go to a good organization in Seattle. Um, I think he will play right away. Uh, Rashad Penny didn't play much last year. He was okay at the end of last season. Chris Carson's a walking injury, so I think it's a really good spot for Kenneth to go, minus the fact they don't have a quarterback. But um, that means they'll probably just rely on the run even more, so I think that's a really good spot for him. Uh, Michigan players, obviously Hutchinson's on the lines. Ojabo goes to the Ravens. That's another really good fit for uh, our local schools kids. Um, you want them to go to good organizations. They have a better chance to succeed there than in a dumpster organization like the Lions. And then Connor Hayward to Pittsburgh is the most su- not surprising thing of all time. His brother plays there as well, Cam Hayward. So not even remotely surprised. And then Jalen Naylor to the Vikings. You hate to see him in the same division in case he becomes something good and just torches the Lions every year. But good for him to get drafted. Daxon Hill, Cincinnati, really good combination. Uh, organization to go to paired with this Jesse Bates. That is a nice combo for the Bengals. So that's a good pick by them. And then other notable things from our schools. I did not expect A.G.A. Arcuri to get drafted. Good for him. And then um, can't believe Matt Colling got an invite to kick for the Bears. Just an invite, not a contract, but he will be cut quickly, unfortunately, I think. But good for all the guys that got drafted for both schools. Uh, shout out Sky Moore from Western Michigan. A couple Central guys got drafted. So Sky Moore is going to be lethal on the Chiefs. Um, just remember that now we'll move quickly to red wings and tigers red wings i don't have much for you uh i don't they didn't capture my attention enough this year to really watch um from what i've seen from the fan base it's a good thing that jeff blashill is out obviously like you wish the best for the guy and you don't want to see people fired but for the the selfishness of this team turning it around you wanted a new coach and eiserman moved fast he waited till the season was over which is smart no sense in doing it mid-season and now there's a big candidate pool to pick from. Um, I don't really have any candidates. I don't know enough about the league. Uh, I will kind of base this off how the diehards and Evan, who they want. I will go along with that. I just really want playoff hockey back in Detroit. I want success in, in Detroit in general. And the Red Wings have had the most sustained success. So hopefully this offseason is one of fireworks where they're getting some free agents. Um, the young draft picks like Edvinson and whatnot are moving up in the system. And they'll arrive and we'll be ready to go. Uh, Red Wings moved on with Blash Hill. Obviously, new coaching search. It was about, it's just about time, you know, to where we weren't getting any better. We're kind of staying stagnant. So there was some disdain amongst the fans wanting him out. I can just see it because now you got somewhat good talent with Sider and Raymond. Sider should probably win Rookie of the Year. Um, he's the first 50 point defenseman for the wings since I think 2011. So it's good to see you have some talent and that's just a matter of if we can get free agents to come and join us. And if the other younger talents can join us, it might be a complete overhaul of who Eisenman wants to keep around or whatnot, but this 
don't give up yet on Eisman, don't give up yet on the Red Wings. A lot to be happy for. You know, the <laughs> quick hitter, another quick hitter, Michigan State just hired Adam Nightingale as a new hockey coach, former player again, a lot of NHL experience. So we'll see how that goes. Good for him. We need the hockey program to be back. All right, so the Red Wings season is over. Jeff Blaschel fired. Um, they were just keeping Jeff Blaschel around um, until they were ready to go. I guess they were just keeping him around through the rebuild until they were ready to um, contend. They must think next year is the year to contend. Final record for the Wings, 32-40-10. and 32-40-10 looks like. Um, not good. Um, really bad goal differential minus 82 second were third worst in the league. So, um, just not a good season. I had a bit higher hopes this year. Um, obviously it turned tuned out at the end of the year because they've been pretty bad for a couple months now, but yeah, you wonder going forward. If they're going to be able to turn around, I think this is the summer to go and do it. You have um, some young stars now. You do have promising, you had a promising rookie, insider. Red Wings have a lot of young talent going forward. They should be able to put it together. You just need a couple splash signings, right fit guys, and you should be able to make the playoffs next year. I think that'll be my bar. Um, Blash will be an out. Um, I didn't think he was the worst coach in the world however it's definitely time for a change long overdue um it'll be interesting to see who the red wings bring in but yeah red wings season one to ten four out of ten really disappointing and then just downright uninteresting at the end as well didn't even watch tigers early struggles oof this team it's already becoming difficult to watch i found myself the first couple weeks just uh, I guess oh, first two weeks maybe streaming the games a lot um, on the TV. And now it's just like, I don't know. I, I I need to see some wins before I dive back in. And the crazy thing is like, everyone's like, if you could, you could say, oh, injuries, but the pitching is still solid. Like they're not, on most nights, they're not giving up like 10 runs and double digit runs and all these crooked numbers. And I mean, the bullpen is statistically right now, like the best in the league. So that's kind of surprising to say for Tigers fans. It's just the offense is so anemic and gross and not fun to watch. And the two guys that are really dragging right now that you hope kick into gear is Scope and Candelario because they were solid last year. They were pretty, pretty good. Um, Two of the better hitters on the team. That's not saying a ton, but they're like down to sixth and seventh in the lineup because they're just not hitting well at all. And hopefully as the weather warms up, as they get warmed up, things start changing. But without Javier Baez and without Austin Meadows, this team would be so bad. This team would be even worse. And they're already towards the bottom of the entire league. The good thing is no one's running away with the division early. Like no one has an insane start. I think the Twins who are playing solid like 12 and 9 or could have changed since time you're listening. But they're still, as long as the Tigers can stay uh, sub 7 games back of the division like okay like we can watch because that means there's still could be in the wild card chase like if you get to 10 games back of anything especially early just like i don't really want to watch this so hopefully things turn around in may and then into the warm months we get going here um but yeah the biggest reason they're struggling is because of the hitting 
and also like just really sloppy fielding like those it's not the pitching despite the injuries it's kind of crazy that that's happening that way um but the fielding is terrible and the hitting is atrocious so hopefully that gets turned around some quick hitters uh tigers really struggles obviously it's hitting um you have three guys on the roster that below 200 and scope and candelario and badu um it's hard to win like that and then obviously you win it the loss in Minnesota is absolutely just horrendous. But this, our schedule is also difficult. I mean, I think you can bounce back easily. Um, you got to start winning games, and I think Hinch is the guy to do it. The leadership in Cabrera, I think you can do it. Bullpen's been lights out. has been number one in Major League Baseball. So there is time. Don't panic yet. Do not panic yet. You got to get at least a month in. You got to get at least 30 games in to assess the situation. 162 season. Very long. Very long. Obviously, we want to win, start winning some series, but and I think you have a chance to do that. Um, get the pitching staff healthy, and I think it can go a long ways. Get Riley Green into the roster, get him back, um, get warmer weather. Don't panic yet. Yeah, it hurts that we're at the same position as last year, but you know, Bias and Meadows are carrying this team. Super disappointing. Um, not even three weeks ago, Evan and I talked about how we thought this team was going to be close to contending for the playoffs and they were right there, blah, blah, blah. 21 games in, they're 7-14. and 14. Their bullpen's been good, positive. Hitting's been horrible, not scoring runs, um, had a lot of injury problems. I do like watching Javi Baez. I think that's good, going to prove to be a good signing. Meadows, that's a good trade. Cabrera surprisingly playing well, and Torkelson, despite some early couple game struggles, he's been actually playing pretty well as, as well. The problem is the bottom of the lineup is awful. Um, anytime Harold Castro steps on the field, it's a problem. He's been playing way too much. Starting pitching's been all right. They usually give up a lot of runs in the first. Seems like we're always in a hole, but... Bullpen's been good. Um, just hitting is the biggest reason why they are struggling right now. My interest is dwindling just because it's hard to see guys like Candelario and um, I guess Victor Reyes, he's horrible, but just guys that are struggling, I don't know how they're just going to all of a sudden be good. Um, Riley Green getting injured before the season hurts. I'm sure his bat would have provided something for us. At least would have provided excitement at, at a minimum. But interest dwindling. Um, is there a bounce back coming? I don't think it's out of the question. Um, your schedule was a little tough in the beginning of the season. Um, getting the Red Sox, the Yankees, White Sox, um, Blue Jays. A lot of good teams in the beginning of the year. Dodgers. Um, but now you get the Pirates um, to tomorrow, I think. A doubleheader. And then A's are not that great. And then you get your own division, which isn't that great. So you have a chance to bounce back. Um, am I going to predict it? No. Um, we talked about how you just can't have a bad April. If you could just somehow find a way to go 500 in April. They didn't do it. Seven games below 500 already. Um, 
they're not super far back in the standings. They're only six games back in the central. So I guess they're already a sizable hole that you don't want, but they're going to have to get hot and it's going to have to be um, on bat on the bats. You you have to hit better. Got to score more runs that simple. Um, So I, I don't think a bounce back is coming. I think just, mediocre probably 500 play will be coming and i don't think that is enough to uh get you to the postseason i'm not going to predict right now on may 3rd that the tigers aren't going to make the playoffs but it is very unlikely um and then quick hitter i know i probably shouldn't speak much on it but the whole michigan hoops drama they're supposedly out on amani and he's supposedly going to louisville from what I've recently read. So I don't think Dickinson should have said what he said if he wasn't, if he was going to delete it. If he was going to leave it up there, then leave it up there. But now he's just, he's public enemy number one for half of the country in college. You know, I think he should have kept his mouth quiet a little bit, but I also don't know all the details about what was going on. So it is what it is. And just get ready to play. Illinois, because he's on Illinois now, and get ready to play Texas Tech in the tournament time for any preseason tournament. And then lastly, the last thing I want to touch on is Michigan's basketball situation. I'm going to briefly check on Twitter here to make sure no one else has left the program. Um, so what happened was, is that for those that don't know, is there was some movement, obviously, in the portal, a lot of rumors. So Jalen Llewellyn from Princeton comes into Michigan, which then, I was about to say prompts or causes, but that's not confirmed. Um, but you can kind of connect dots. Frankie Collins leaves. Uh, first of all, very sad. I am one of the biggest Frankie Collins fans on the planet. That was my guy. Alex can attest to that. I told him when we were watching recruit videos uh, when the, those classes were coming in, this is my favorite guy from the class. He's explosive. He's dynamic. He's something I hadn't seen as at a point guard in Michigan in a while. It's just a guy that's like going to blow by everyone. So any, the way he could dunk was crazy. We didn't get to see a lot of those dunks. That's where I feel like we were robbed of the most. Uh, but now he's gone. He's leaving. You don't know if it was like, hey, Jalen Llewellyn's coming in. I'm mad. I'm going to leave. It just, it just feels that way, kind of based on the timing of it, um, which is I can see it because – Everyone's like, oh, Jalen Llewellyn can be the two guard. Well, the kid has the ball in his hands, like his entire Princeton career, because he's the best ball handler there. So is he really going to come in and just play off ball all of a sudden? I don't know. It's a little tough when typically a team just has one primary ball handler. There's definitely room for two to play. It's just can they do it? So now I think Jalen Llewellyn is your locked and loaded, basically, point guard, which is nice to have. A guy who can shoot a better than Frankie and is 6'2". And then... What else happened? Um, there was the drama with Hunter Dickinson where Terrence Shannon did not get into Michigan and he ended up having to go to Illinois, which stinks. One, because Terrence Shannon would have been a nice wing player. Two, he goes to Illinois, so you have to face him uh, at least once a year. Probably two. And it was a mix of emissions. Kind of tough to transfer into Michigan. We all know that. And then uh, Texas Tech drama where the coach was kind of like, hey, Terrence, from what Dickinson said, obviously. It's kind of a he said, she said, did not let Terrence finish out his classes in Texas Tech and pay for them for him to go as like a grad transfer. And it seems like standard practice that coaches do allow that. They want to see the kid go on and do what they want to do. But in this case, their coach did not. So chop that coach for stunting this kid's potential, like where he really wanted to go. 
Uh, so that stinks for Michigan right now. And then obviously the elephant in the room. Um, there's a lot of smoke about Amani Bates in Michigan. It seems like right now that Amani wants to come to Michigan. This is all things I've just heard and read. Nothing's 100% true. But it seems like Amani wants to come to Michigan. Michigan's just not sure if they want him. Um, but it is weird. There's a lot of smoke of guys being disgruntled or like want deleting posts off Instagram, potentially also transferring. Like I said, as we know right now, only Frankie has really left. That was surprising. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I have the the scholarship kind of depth chart pulled up here. And if if Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate both leave, mainly Caleb Houston, if he stays in the draft, there's some work to be done with this team still in the wing category because I have the list in front of me. I think freshman Jet Howard is like the best option to start as a wing player, which is kind of scary. I mean, he's a high recruit, but he's a freshman. And we saw how that went with Caleb last year. So Michigan will have to hit the portal even more and bring in like a wing. And that's, I think, maybe where the smoke with Imani comes in because there's only so many guys that are going to have Michigan as their top choice. And if he does, there's a lot of baggage. Do I want him to transfer in? I don't know. I've flip-flopped on that a bunch of times. I have no idea. We'll have to see if it actually happens, how I feel in the moment. It'll be very exciting. It'll be pro for the podcast. Amani Bates does numbers, at least he used to. I mean, the day he decommitted from Michigan State, that episode we ran the next day that like was the Lions NFL draft, and that was one of our most listened to of all time. Uh, it's crazy. That's like a year ago almost to this day because it was a Lions draft recap. So, well, maybe not because COVID changed the draft, whatever. But just crazy thing about about a year ago, he was going to Michigan State decommitted and then all this crazy stuff with his dad being too involved and the fallout and leaving the memphis team for a while i mean it, it's drama it's like keeping up with the kardashians basketball style what's going on right now behind the scenes uh it feels like but we'll see how it gets sorted out i'm always going to trust in coach howard and the staff there great staff uh and you have dickinson back so we will see what happens with that but it is nerve-wracking times in a sense uh when it comes to michigan basketball and I think that is all. So cheers to episode 70 and enjoy the hopefully warm weather. It's been back and forth since I said that summer and spring was going to be here. Uh, but hopefully we were on the right side of things. So cheers to episode 70. <laughs>